Have you ever stopped to think about the significance of boundaries? What kind of feelings or emotions do you think of when you hear that term? Does it bring to mind negative connotations or a sense of being confined and restricted? Perhaps it even feels punitive or unfair. It's understandable to have these reactions, but let's take a moment to consider a different perspective. What if boundaries could actually be beneficial for all parties involved? In today's episode, we're going to unpack the word boundaries. We'll explore why boundaries are not only necessary, but essential in our lives. We'll examine what insights and guidance we can find from a spiritual standpoint, exploring what God has to say about boundaries. But our exploration won't stop there. We'll also share a personal story, drawing from our own experiences in marriage. When faced with the challenges of infidelity and addiction, we had to confront the need for boundaries head on. We'll walk you through our journey of how we implemented and navigated these often misunderstood boundaries in our relationship. So make sure to stick around and listen in. You'll gain a deeper understanding of boundaries and their potential to bring about positive transformation in your own life and relationships. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello and welcome to our show today. Well, we are now into episode six. Yes, six. And what a journey it's been. Yeah, it's been harder than we thought, though, hasn't it? (laughs) It has. But, you know, I'm really glad that we are getting to do this. That God has given us this platform that we can tell our story. Our goal is to be able to give hope that you can recover from infidelity in marriage. We want people to really know that our goal is to be as transparent as possible to be vulnerable with the way that we feel and the way we think and with our experience. Yes, absolutely. We want to make sure that people know that they're not alone, right? And that anything that happens in your marriage, God is bigger than that and he can cover that. It just really takes a lot of surrender and grace to get through it. But we're here to be proof that his redemption is the real deal. Yes. So if you have tracked with us thus far, We have shared our stories individually. We shared our story together. And last time we were together, we shared on how we made the decision to stay married. Well, today we're going to explore boundaries, what boundaries are, why we need them, 
what are good boundaries, and what worked for us. So as we dive into it today, Emily has a definition that she found online and wants to share for today. Yeah, let me read this definition of boundaries. Boundaries are the personal limits and guidelines we establish to protect our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. They define what is acceptable and unacceptable to us in various aspects of life, including relationships, personal space, emotions, values, and beliefs. I like the fact that boundaries give very specific definition. They define what is acceptable and unacceptable in various aspects of life. Yeah, a boundary is something that you just don't cross, right? It keeps things in place. Well, and then if you do cross them, you now have a responsibility to either say something or you can just let that go, but you're still going to have to deal with it next time somebody breaks a boundary. So are you working on maintaining your boundaries? Do you let people walk all over you? Do you, you know, hold fast to your boundaries? Or do you find a little bit of grace in between that where you allow yourself sometimes to let that boundary, it's okay, I can deal with that again later? Yeah, but when we're talking about the need for boundaries in a marriage situation where there's been infidelity, that kind of changes the game a little bit. It does. There's not as much wiggle room there. I also looked up the need for boundaries. It says they provide a framework for setting expectations, maintaining emotional well-being, fostering communication, and promoting a sense of safety and trust within the relationship. So we're going to break that down a little bit. We're going to go one by one through those. And the first one is provide a framework for setting expectations. So initially we had a framework when we got married, right? Right. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, well, it's a four-letter word. A good one, though. <laughs> V-O-W-S, our vows. When we exchanged vows on our wedding day, those came with some expectations of boundaries. Uh, some of them were things that we actually said, and some were just implied. And we had those expectations about boundaries on each other. For example, being faithful to each other until death do us part, right? right. Cherishing one another honoring one another, taking care of each other in sickness and in health. You know, all of those things are expectations that we set up for each other on our wedding day. So we have common wedding vows throughout our society that people hear. Do you promise to love, honor, and cherish me only for as long as you live? Right. And where infidelity goes completely wrong is that somewhere along the line, we forget that me only part. And where I reciprocate to you in my vows, I promise to love, honor, and cherish you only. When I made that half of my vow to you, and I threw all that in the trash, you know, for the various reasons that I did, that boundary was still broken. Yes, yes. Sometimes crossing boundaries have devastating effects and consequences. Although it may not be immediate, right? You know, you can cross a boundary. And nothing happens sometimes right away. So common to human experience is that if we got away with it once, we could probably do it again. How many times do we cross that boundary before we get caught? How many times do we do that before we ourselves get hurt and learn a lesson from it? Or do we violate that boundary and learn how to get away with it again? So it provides a healthy framework for setting expectations, right? Right. So next... Okay, the next one is maintaining emotional well-being. 
So this in our marriage was displayed when there was a space created for me where I didn't have to keep both of my eyes on Johnny at all times. Right. That was something that was very emotionally hard to do is to feel like I had to be on my guard all the time to see if there was anything amiss, if he was doing anything that he shouldn't be doing. And I did not want to be a cop. I did not want to be his mom. So it was kind of a real tension point there. So we created these boundaries that we'll talk about here in a few minutes that gave me a space where I didn't have that, you know, that pressure, that feeling. And that did help with my emotional well-being. Right. It was never God's intention that you were to be my watchdog. You're my partner. You are my help meet. You're there to walk through everything with me. We do it together. You were never meant to be my watchdog. But when I keep violating boundaries, then it becomes a situation where you now have to bring that up and you get thrown into that role when I start breaking those boundaries. And Johnny, there was a space where you were given with some boundaries that we made that forced you to heal. Right. Maintaining that emotional well-being for me in the very beginning after discovery and disclosure Those are boundaries that were imposed on me. These are things that you told me I needed to have in place. Like these were deal breakers. Right. Even though you weren't really going there at that point, you know, if you don't do this, we're going to divorce. Right. But if we're ever going to move forward. And build trust. And build trust again, then these things have to be done. So even though they were imposed on me, The benefit that I got out of it, I was given a space where my healing could begin. The distance from the last time I acted out with a partner or with pornography, each day that these boundaries were imposed on me was putting greater distance in there. And my mind eventually started clearing up. What do you mean by clearing up? What does that mean? When you're acting out constantly and you're in the addictive cycle, your brain gets foggy. It's whirling around and you can't make sense out of anything. In the very beginning, there's usually what they call the detox phase, but I was scared out of my detox phase. I think I was like like jolted right out of it when I was confronted and then I had to tell you. It was like I was just electrified and jumped right out of detox, sobered up instantly. And now I'm in this place where I just need to start building up distance. I didn't know that I needed that. Leading up to this point, after discovery and disclosure, my addiction had taken such a great hold. I look back now at my time when I was addicted, and I couldn't have imagined one day sober. I didn't know that that was possible. And when I say sober, it doesn't mean that I was looking at porn every day. But I can tell you that my mind, was preoccupied with it or preoccupied with who I was acting out with. And so there was a touch on that every day. So if we're defining my addiction as pornography use and infidelity with another woman, then my mind was touching that every day. And where my mind was, I was there also. So then I could start putting some distance in there and I could finally start healing myself in ways that I didn't even know yet that I needed. And I think that those are going to be topics for future episodes. 
Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in there for sure. So there's the third one here in the uh, need for boundaries is it fosters communication. And how does it do that? <laughs> well, you got to talk about it. Right. <laughs> I mean, think about the process. You impose a boundary on me. I now have a decision to make. Am I going to man up, accept the boundary for your sake? Even if I don't like it, am I going to accept that boundary and move forward? Or am I going to push back against it? That's my decision that I have to make right now. Right. And I got to tell you, if there is a pushback on the actual boundary being set, that's a red flag that needs to be talked about more. Um, That's not okay. If the betrayer has a problem with agreeing to the boundaries that the betrayed has put in place or is trying to put in place, then there is an issue there that needs to be addressed. It's humbling. Restrictions on a man is very, very humbling to us. We don't come by them naturally or easily. We don't like them. It feels like people are trying to control us. But honestly, men, when we get out of control to the point where we've broken our vows, we do need somebody to step in and impose some uh, regulations on us. And it's our job to decide whether we're going to take them up and be a man or are we going to be a coward and walk away from them and walk away from everything that we worked so hard to maintain. The passive man will wait for her to say what she needs for the boundaries. The courageous man will ask her, what do you need from me? I wish that I could say that I was the courageous man. I wasn't. I was cowering like a child because I got caught. I did not know what to do next. And so you had to step in and impose those boundaries on me. Yes. But you didn't push back. And that was completely to your credit that once those were in place, you didn't fight them and you actually tried your very best to keep those boundaries. And that's what it takes, you know. Was I completely successful all the time? Not 100%, no. But there was enough that you could see that progress was being made and things were moving forward. Yes, progress was being made. And so there was, you know, some grace involved in that as well. Honestly, I know that there are couples out there where the betrayer is very unwilling to keep those boundaries and continually breaks them over and over again. And that causes a lot of emotional pain for the betrayed. It also shows the intention of the heart. We're supposed to obey God because we love him. He wants us to obey him because that's what shows him that we love him, right? And so obeying a boundary or respecting a boundary, we should say, shows love for somebody else, respect and love. So that was a really long way to say that we can foster communication by talking about the boundaries that we need in our marriage to make uh, progress in recovery from infidelity and how we're going to implement those boundaries. And that brings us to the fourth need for boundaries. It's to promote a sense of safety and trust within the relationship. So I understand trust. That makes sense. But what about safety? Well, I can tell you that I lost all sense of safety after you disclosed to me your infidelity. My whole married life, I felt very safe and secure with our relationship and and who we were to each other. And when that all came out that that wasn't the case, that I wasn't number one in your life. My sense of safety and security went out the window. 
I had none. I didn't know how to be safe. I didn't know what I needed to be safe even. I instinctively knew that I needed some boundaries, but I really didn't know what to do at first. Right. Actually got a lot of help from our counselor in this area about what boundaries to set. And even our pastor told us right at the beginning that I was going to have to be the one to take charge in the household, in the home, because you had no capability to do so at that point. Right. And that was a big responsibility for me in my state of shock and severe pain and hurt. Which was completely unfair. Sure. But, you know, there was a lot of things that were unfair about this situation. But God is still there in charge, and he is still looking after both of us as this unfolds. And he provided everything that we needed when we needed it, because we actually asked him for help. We did. And that's so important, because I don't know how anybody does this without Jesus. I just, I can't imagine. Yeah, it was tough. I remember those times that when we would get stuck, and maybe we were in separate rooms because it was really tough, but we were finding ourselves at an impasse where talking to each other wasn't working. We weren't communicating very well, and each one of us took it upon ourselves to go to God and just say, Lord, this ain't working. Help. And it really was just that simple. Yes. This isn't working. Help. That's right. It doesn't have to be complicated. He knows what's going on. And so he's watching it all. So what does scripture have to say about setting boundaries? There are physical boundaries. There's the sun to govern the day and the moon to govern the night. He set the shores as a boundary between the ocean and the land. He even stated in scripture in Job, to the water, he's speaking, this is how far you will come and no more very strict, hard boundary. And in the Garden of Eden, he set one boundary. He said, you can have anything from the garden. Eat of anything in the garden. It's all yours. I've given it all to you for food, except for do not go eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, and they did not respect that boundary, and it didn't work out so well for them, did it? So God had to impose another boundary on them. He kicked them out of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a cherubim, an angel, with a flashing sword at the east gate so that nobody could ever go back into the garden again. And that brings us to some examples in scripture about moral, ethical, and behavioral boundaries that God has put in place, namely the Ten Commandments. They serve as a set of boundaries that God established for his people. They outline moral and ethical principles that guide human behavior, such as honoring God and respecting others. They provide a framework for righteous living, and they establish boundaries for healthy relationships with God and others. And that's really important because those are our two most important relationships that we have, our relationship to God and our relationship to other people. Right. Another example is boundaries on sexual purity. God's design for sexual expression is within the covenant of marriage, and he sets these boundaries to protect the sanctity and intimacy of this union. And Jesus emphasizes God's boundary for sexual purity in Matthew 5, 27, 28, going so far as to say, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone that even looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
And you know, a lot of people, especially men, tend to feel that adultery is only sex with another woman right. outside of your marriage. But this scripture is very clear that even looking with lust at another woman and, you know, it goes the other way too. women looking at men with lust, you know, that's already committing adultery in your heart. It also translates to pornography. I know that you didn't really think that pornography was actually cheating, right. <laughs> was actually adultery. I'm by myself. Right. Who's it hurting, right? It's something that I do and nobody gets hurt. But it did take a little while for you to realize that that wasn't really true. It was shortly after discovery and disclosure that your brain kind of cleared enough, as you said, the fog lifted and, and you were able to think more like God thinks rather than being influenced by the enemy. That's a tough one because our society also tells men or tells people that it's it's just something you do right in private. Everybody does it. It's okay. Right. The implication is if everybody's doing it, then it must be okay. There's nothing wrong with it if everybody's doing it. Right. And we could go into a lot of other things that revolve around pornography and the harmful effects it has on those participating and those watching, but that's for future episodes. So we have some practical examples just from everyday living. So we live on our five acres, and so we've got fences all the way around. There's an old saying out there that says, good fences make good neighbors, right? Right. And why is that? Because they're boundaries. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, if you respect those boundaries, then you can have a good relationship with your neighbor. If you're disrespecting those boundaries, then there's going to be hard feelings and there's going to be tension and you won't be neighborly. So, yes, fences between neighbors are a great idea. The other thing that fences do on our property is that they keep the animals in. We have peacocks and we have ponies and we have a big livestock guardian dog and a teeny tiny Maltese dog. <laughs> Those animals we love and we want to keep them on our property to keep them safe. And we want to keep the predators out. Um, so the fences also help with that. And we don't want them to be a nuisance to our neighbors either. So yeah, fences are a good idea. So we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the boundaries that we put in place. And I say we because you were agreeable, you know, right after the dust settled, <laughs> so to speak. I was able to think clearly enough to even put these boundaries in place in a rational manner. So the first one we're going to talk about is the fact that these boundaries were practical. They weren't punitive. In one of our previous episodes, when I told my story, I mentioned that God had told me specifically right after your first confession that it wasn't my job to punish you. He was going to take care of all of that, and I didn't need to worry about that part. And so these boundaries that are put in place weren't to punish you. They were just practical uh, necessities that were going to help me to feel safe, were going to help us to communicate better and move forward in our recovery and our healing, right? Right. And those things did feel punitive to me in the beginning, but that's because I'm still being selfish because I'm still feeling wounded because I got caught. I'm still not thinking about you. I haven't crossed that bridge yet emotionally and mentally to where I'm connected to you and to your pain. So the very first one that went up was my phone. This one's such an important area. I would venture to say 
gentlemen, that if you're skittish about your wife looking at your phone at any given time, ladies, there is your first warning. I guarantee you, I'm just going to get a lot of men in trouble right now. Don't listen to a word that he says. If he will not hand his phone over to you at any time that you ask, he's hiding something from you. It may just be a surprise that he's going to buy you something, but you need to have access to that phone at all times. So the very first boundary that went up was Covenant Eyes. Emily and I highly recommend Covenant Eyes because it's a software app that monitors my phone 24-7. And they've just recently changed the uh, algorithm on it. Rather than doing keyword searches or keyword triggers, they now take random screenshots of your phone. And so you never know when it's going to take a screenshot and then it sends it to your ally. So that's two things about Covenant Eyes that I wanted to share. There are admins and then there are allies. The admin, they're the ones that are basically in charge of the whole show and Emily is my admin. Other than paying the bill, she's there to make sure that as the admin that Covenant Eyes stays on my phone. I can't take it off of my phone. Only the admin can do that. Right. And then there's also what's called an ally. And I didn't want to be your ally. <laughs> I didn't remember. I didn't want to be the watchdog, the That's right. police on you. And Nor the, should you. Right. That wasn't my place. And so your ally was a good friend of yours. Yes. And the emails would be sent to him for the weekly checks. If there would ever have been an issue, he would have been there to call you on it. My ally has been really good over these last four years that if there's anything questionable, we would sit down and we would talk about it. Usually we would do it face to face. It was rarely over a phone call, but we would sit down and talk about that face to face. Fortunately, there was never anything that you had looked at that was of concern. It was really mostly just technical glitches. <laughs> so. That was good for me to know, but that's not always going to be the case. And that can be a very good tool to stop something in its tracks before it gets too far. Yes. Matter of fact, I just want to say this right now to my ally. I know you're listening. I wanted to tell you that whenever I come across something on my phone that's sketchy, I get past that as soon as I can. Why? Not just because I shouldn't be looking at it. But I know it sends the report to you, and I don't want you to have to see those sketchy things also. Let's face it, gentlemen, those things are going to pop up on our phone in the most innocent of searches or researches on Facebook feeds, Instagram. These things are just going to, they're coming after us. It's what we do with them when they arrive on our doorstep. We do not have to open up the door and allow them to come in. We slam the door, or we just don't even answer it. Right. So I am personally grateful to my ally who does watch that. The next one, gentlemen, is a real hard one. It's location sharing. I know that there are many couples that do this already, but I didn't like the idea of it. I didn't like being tracked. My job allowed for me to be out and about anywhere, and I liked that autonomy. I even gaslighted my wife, not intentionally. But I gaslighted her because that's what we call it now on this side of discovery and disclosure, those behaviors. So I was gaslighting her about location sharing, saying, 
It's better that we don't share so that when we get home, we can talk about our day and where we've been, right? Because that's been our habit. Do you see how the most innocent things can become nefarious? I was sincere about that, but boy, did it keep that location sharing off of my phone for all of those years. But location sharing has become a real great comfort because it goes both ways. In my moments of insecurity, I can look on my location sharing and and know where my wife is. And I can look at my phone at any time and know where my husband is. That location sharing is actually a passive activity on your part, right? Because yes, that's just something that's happening in the background. One thing that you have been really, really good at is an active role in texting all your movements to me. Over the last four years, everything that you do, everywhere you go, you're texting me. I'm here. I've left. I'm over here now. I'm coming home. That's a real huge thing that you've been doing. And it's so comforting to me to know that you are where you're supposed to be. Although there have been a few times where on the map (laughs) for the location sharing, there's been some glitches. Technology, you got to love it. You got to hate it. But it showed you in different places than I had expected you to be. Right. So I would take a screenshot of it and I would ask you about it later. With my heart pounding in my chest, I could feel all of those emotions rising to the surface and getting those physiological responses of a little bit of a panic. And so I wanted to ask you about those as soon as possible. And we would figure out that it was nothing, but you were so good about the fact that you would comfort me by taking pictures of your location where you were at and you would send them to me to prove that you were where you were supposed to be. And so it was just a glitch in the programming. And those were really like, oh, it makes you want to just throw that phone (laughs) against the wall because, you know, you got all anxious about nothing. But yes, the texting. And then there was a benefit for all that texting for you, right? Right. It was. So gentlemen, talk about a short leash. It makes you feel like your leash is right there at the very hand of the person just walking you everywhere. But uh, there ended up being a really good benefit out of that. See, I do work as a landscaping contractor. And every job that I would visit, I would text Emily, I'm here at this job. If it was a new place that I had never been before, I would pin it on my map. And then I would share that with her so that she would see exactly where I was at. But if it was, you know, a client that I'm revisiting over and over again, I'm at so-and-so's house. I'm going to get started. I love you. I would get started and I would finish. I'm done at this job, going to the next one. Well, now that just timestamped how long I was at that job. And when I bill in an hourly rate, now I have right down to the minute how long I was on the job. So this actually ended up to be a benefit for me and my business. It helped me. Well, I'll just say it this way. I started making more money because I could actually get right down to the minute where I had been for how long. Right. So, yeah. So I appreciated that as well. (laughs) All right. Next one for me was no traveling out of town alone. Yeah. This one gets us into trouble a lot, especially with hotel stays or if we're traveling to go, quote, see a friend. Who else are we going to visit with? Yeah. And, you know, you were good about that, too. You were in the motorcycle ministry at that time whenever all this came out. And you were traveling a lot with your group. It was great because the people in your group would 
tell me <laughs> where you were right. and uh, make sure that when you're traveling, that there was always somebody with you. And that lasted for, I don't know, about maybe two, two years or so. Yeah. And then, you know, your track record was so excellent that it started to be okay for you to go out of town, especially with all these other boundaries in place that you right. were continuing to use. Right. There would be times I would go out of town and I always had somebody with me. But later on, like Emily said, I did end up going out of town, but we talked about it. We talked about where I was going, talk about why I'm going, who I'm going to see. And then we would be in regular communication. And if she ever needed, I could take a picture and send it to her. I could take a pen and drop it and send it to her, even though we're location sharing. Those are some of the practical boundaries. There were others, but those were the main ones that we established right at the beginning. Right. But there was also some that <laughs> as the days went on and there was more disclosure, there was more re-explaining some of the lies that you had told the first time. And it would kind of send me back to that very beginning with all of those emotions. There was times when I had to implement some physical, personal space boundaries with you too. I made you sleep in another room for quite a while. Right. Um, I did let you back into the bedroom at one point, but then something happened and I sent you back out to the yep. other room. And um, a lot of the time I was very open to wanting your touch. I loved your hugs. I loved for you to hold me when we had hard times on the couch talking through these things. Yes. And I was crying. I didn't want anything more than just a hug at the end and to be held and to be comforted by you, the one who betrayed me, which seems so strange because I can be so angry and so hurt, but yet I want to crawl up into your lap and be comforted by you. And so that was our habit. I didn't normally put up a wall between us when there was hard talks going on, but there were times when I was thrown for a loop enough to where I was like, don't touch me get away from me. Right. Absolutely. I don't want any, I don't want to look at you. I'm, you know, I'm disgusted by you. And so there was times when I had to say, I don't want you to touch me anymore in this way. I don't want you to hold my hand. I don't want you to hug me. And you did break those boundaries a couple of times just because I did. being married for 31 years at that point, I mean, we just did a lot of touching, you know, you walk by and you just brush across my, my back as you're walking or simple everyday simple touches. things. And so I was like, you're not paying attention. I said, I don't want to be touched. And that's the boundary. You know, I did loosen up as the anger subsides. You kind of have to rework some of the things that you put in place, but they're super important for that feeling of safety at the time, at that moment. Yes. And it was very important for me to Listen to what you were saying in the moment. It did not matter how you felt about me an hour ago or yesterday. It's what's happening right now. I disclosed something that should have been disclosed a long time ago, but it's coming up now. It brings that anger. You're triggered again. Now this boundary goes, please don't touch me. And I have to respect that in that moment for that time. And often when you had finished processing, like you said, you craved my touch. You wanted my touch. Why? Because you're my wife. I'm the one that you spent your life loving. Yes. And and you wanted that touch. So you would, uh, on most occasions, come back to me and say, I'm ready for touch again. Will you please hug me? 
And sometimes it was just that simple and had to be really kind of that straightforward. I'm ready to feel your touch again. Will you please hug me? Mm-hmm. And that was very clear communication about what I'm allowed to do. Right. And then there was also a boundary as far as whether I <laughs> was even going to pursue staying married. And we talked about this in our last episode a little bit, the decision that we made to stay married and how we came about doing that. Well, one of the boundaries that I had for you was for you to go and get some counseling help for us right? and for yourself. And you did that. Yes. And there was one thing that you did on your own for your own recovery that was called what? Well, I went online and I just did a simple Google search, sex addiction. And in my area, in the Austin, Texas area, it came up with Sex Addicts Anonymous. And so I clicked on the page and I went and found it and made contact with one of the men that had their contact listed. And I got that set up and I started attending the meetings. The boundaries that were quickly introduced within Sex Addicts Anonymous, which follows the path of traditional 12-step recovery from Alcoholics Anonymous. The two groups are separate, but Sex Addicts Anonymous follows word for word the original 12 steps set out by Alcoholics Anonymous. And also this same practice of boundaries, which is known as your inner circle, your middle circle, and your outer circle. The inner circle are your violating behaviors. These are the things that you absolutely did wrong to violate. I was having affairs with other women. I was looking at pornography. I was masturbating. I was fantasizing. I was allowing myself to be taken away in the admiration of women that thought somehow in some way that I was great because of the way I spoke or I was chivalrous or I helped them whatever. And all of those became my inner circle behaviors. When I do any one of those, my marriage is in jeopardy. That's how strict they are. The uh, inner circle behaviors are the no-go. Those are the things that if you're following 12-step recovery, send you back to day one. You start to count all over again. To this day, I could say happily, I have not been in my inner circle behaviors. I'm very happy about that. I'm very blessed by that. But next is middle circle behaviors. For me, that's the warning signs that you are about to move into those areas where you're going to violate. So unlocking your character defects, the things that make you so self-centered, that make you childish, those are listed out as your character defects. And mine are uh, senses of entitlement the high need for admiration and acceptance and self-pity. If I'm acting in any of those, I know that inner circle behavior can come from that. I'm not walking so close to the line that I feel like I'm just going to totter right off the edge, but that's telling me that my mind is starting to think again like an addict. And it's time to pull that back, evaluate those, and get back on track again. And then the last one is the outer circle. The outer circle are the healthy activities. These are the things that you do for fun that don't destroy you personally. There are lots of things that we do and we call fun, but they're destroying us personally. So an example for me, I love working on our property. 
I love working in the gardens. Honestly, I love mowing the five acres. Those are healthy activities. Also, going to a men's Bible study group. That is a healthy activity. For some folks, it's running. It's that activity of exercising, or are they going to go rowing, or are they going to work out at the gym? You have to be careful working out in the gym because that's going to be an environment where, since we're dealing with this issue, you're going to have to be very careful about where your eyes are looking and what your mind is thinking. That's not saying don't go to the gym. That could be the same thing as taking an alcoholic into a liquor store. It can be very challenging. And I didn't know anything about these types of uh, inner circle, middle circle, outer circle behaviors. While Johnny was going through this, it did shed some light that I have some inner circle behaviors too that went along with the disclosure, which is being angry and being walled off. And so I did get angry at times and I got so angry at times that I would just put this wall up of protection, self-protection. And I would stay behind that wall and I would isolate from Johnny and I would basically ignore the situation and, and ignore him until I could come off down, down off of that ledge. And usually it was Jesus that helped me down gently off the ledge. And I was able to then open myself back up. But that's not to confuse that being angry is an inner circle behavior, right? Right. It's not the anger itself because, uh, you know, we can be angry, but not sin. Right. The part where it becomes a problem is when you get resentful and bitter and unforgiving and it hurts the other person or you're not communicating with the Lord and, and allowing him to help you through that situation. That's where it can get really bad. And then middle circle things for me are triggers and how I handle those triggers, which we'll talk about in future episodes. Triggers come at any time, any place without warning. We can't avoid them. Mm -mm. And so how we handle them is how we're either in the middle circle or doing it in a healthy way in your outer circle. So, and then healthy activities for me are things like playing pickleball. <laughs> which I've started doing recently and I love I think it. it's still just fun to say pickleball. It is fun to say pickleball. And I love to do crafting and I love being with my friends and I love my animals and my grandkids. And so these are the healthy activities that I like to engage in. So there are other kinds of things that you can do for your boundaries and moving forward and being healthy. One is get counseling. Yes. So Talk to somebody. So important. If you're at a place right now where you and your wife cannot communicate these really hard issues, talk them out with a professional or a pastor or at least a highly trusted third party, not the kind of friend that is going to tell you it's okay, I do that too, but somebody who is actually going to speak into you and say hard things to you, like my friend who's my ally. He says exactly what's on his mind. He doesn't mean to hurt me. And he's not trying to be mean by not letting me off the hook. He is my friend whenever he says hard things. So another one would be a CSAT, a certified sex addiction therapist. If you are starting to believe that you are powerless over this sense of sexuality in your life and that it has a control on you, you probably need to go see a CSAT. And, uh, and then another one, there are church-based recovery programs 
that are out there that are not necessarily traditional 12-step, but they talk about and get to the spiritual root of what is going on. Not to say that traditional 12-step hasn't done that for me. I have found very meaningful connections with God as a result of my time in traditional 12-step, and I'm so grateful for it. And I can't imagine a time in my life anymore when I would not be a part of it. Okay, so to recap what we've talked about today, the first was the definition of boundaries. Boundaries are the personal limits and guidelines we establish to protect our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. They define what is acceptable and unacceptable to us in various aspects of life. And we also discuss the need for boundaries, which we discovered is just a framework for setting expectations, maintaining emotional well-being, fostering communication, and promoting a sense of safety and trust within the relationship. Scripture also had a lot to say about boundaries. We just scratched the surface, but we brought the ones out today about the physical boundaries of where the ocean comes to and goes no further, about looking on a woman with lust in your heart. The other one is our practical boundaries. Remember, good fences make good neighbors. Yes, and we also talked about the communication aspect of talking about boundaries and if the betrayer gives a pushback on boundaries or wanting to keep the boundaries that have been set, you know, that's a red flag and more communication is necessary. Every time you and I talk to each other about a hard issue, we usually come out better for it. I don't think that I could recall a time that we were ever made worse from talking it out. Right. <laughs> it's painful and it's hard. And there's lots of tears and snot involved, usually. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but it is, we don't call them bad talks. We always called them hard talks. That's right. Because it was always good at the end. That's correct. And the last one is to get help. If you need help going through this, which honestly, I don't think you can do this on your own. Counseling, recovery groups or programs and accountability partners are so very important. You know, we want to encourage that you confide in somebody if you're going through this issue. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next time for a thought-provoking discussion on the destructive practices of lying, gaslighting, deflecting, and blame-shifting. We'll uncover how these sneaky tactics wreak havoc on trust in relationships, leaving us questioning everything. Don't miss out on this insightful conversation. So until next time, Marriage is Redeemed, Hearts Renewed, on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer in our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.